Season 5. Season 5, Faith in the Fresh Five Podcast. I am Ro Hattie coming at you from Treaty 7 Lands on the northern part of Turtle Island in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Well, this summer edition of the Faith in the Fresh Five podcast comes at you with a new set of guests that I am very excited to intro here with you. But on this episode, a shorter version, going to share with you some news, some fantastic news. If you're on the newsletter or if you follow me on any of the social media programs, then you would have heard by now that my forthcoming book now titled, When We Belong, Reclaiming Christianity on the Margins, is coming spring-summer 2022 and will be published by Herald Press. Thank you. I will insert the applause. No, I won't. What is the book about? Well, I'm going to give you a sneak peek of what's inside. First off, why did I write this book? A lot of books in Christian media center the white male gaze. That's accidentally on purpose, and that's just not me. So I am intentionally writing towards people who are me, people on the margins. doesn't mean that white men are not going to find deep value in this book, but it does mean that it comes through a different voice. I'm trying to include a wide variety of intersections and That ranges from sexuality to race or ethnicity, and it includes gender. So in that sense, white women would be included as one of the primary audiences. We're on this pursuit of trying to figure out what it means to live out our whole selves, the pursuit of liberation and belonging in the context of community. That's what this is about. So I'm writing broadly on what it takes to live out the fullness of our humanity and find liberation in our Christian faith. There is a version, there is a Christianity out there, in fact, is about, at its foundations and at its heart, about finding fullness of life. Yet our experiences, and you don't have to be someone on the margins necessarily here, our experiences in dominant Christian culture has often been the opposite. We don't find in a safe space to belong. We often have to assimilate and give up a piece of ourselves in order to find that space of belonging. And even when we do, oftentimes it's temporary. I want to unlock that. I want to challenge it. I want to say that's not okay. That ain't right. And we deserve better. But the chase towards deconstruction is one that leaves many, not merely on the outskirts, but just has them walking away. I think we need pathways back. We need to reclaim what is ours. We need to reclaim a faith that was designed for all to belong. Radical inclusion. I think that's a trait of the early church that Jesus had in mind. That first 300 years of a church that didn't try to walk up and get a pat on the head by the empire. Rather, they were the critique of the empire. We're in a time and space right now where the church, broadly speaking, is one that's trying to hang on and hold to power. That's not the space for the church. And when we belong, I offer some 
pieces, a journey, if you will, of reclamation, a reclamation of self, discovering who we are, but also a reclamation of our spirituality. And I'll also identify pathways unto that reclamation. We need to reframe a pathway unto wholeness. You can use words like deconstruction. You can words use words like liberation. Use words like decolonizing. Aspects of all of those are included. It's part my story, but also part my journey with others in community of figuring out what that edge of inside Christianity looks like in the modern world. Terms these days, the hot ones are deconstruction. We are definitely hearing more about liberation and justice. There are answers for these questions. I don't think we need to just walk away from our faith. I think we can walk into, however, something new. That's what I provide. So, how about we take an exclusive look inside? The introduction to When We Belong targets our present reality. I don't think you can write a book about this topic without acknowledging how cataclysmic the past year has been. We're still in a global pandemic. We'll be there perhaps for years to come. And what it has done is provided everyone a focal point. We can all go back to this starting point, And most of us can picture ourselves in the same boat. Or we can picture ourselves at least facing the same crisis. So in the sense, there's a flattening of our experiences, regardless of where you're coming from. Admittedly, there is another reality that we weren't all in the same boat. Privilege gave different people, different access and levels of trauma when COVID hit. If you're in one of the top nations of the world, then you probably have a vaccine. And if you're not, then you're still struggling to find supply. That's just one macro example of how inequalities emerged and came to light during the COVID pandemic. So although we all longed from liberation from this virus, we all didn't stay in the same place and it didn't impact us in the same way. From the pent-up angst of COVID, we also saw the rising call of new yearnings for justice. From spring-summer 2020 and unto present day, There is a shift happening. I can sense it. Can you? I'm sure you're in the same boat. And especially if you crisscross social media, you're seeing a rise and an increase of voices you've never heard before. I think that's exciting. In a sense, marginalized people have often been the most vulnerable. But we're in an age right now where marginalized folks are raising their voice. We can all agree that the way things are in the world right now are not the way they should be. So that really begs the question, though, what way should things be? Is the way an assimilation to some dominant norm? Should we just try to keep up with the proverbial Joneses, as it were? 
Or is there a different kind of fullness, a wholeness that we can chase and embody? I think there is. And that type of liberation is, can be coupled with a faith that embodies the same. And I believe that we all deserve to live fully in our own skin. The pandemic or the rising calls for justice are real physical examples, but there are spiritual ones as well, and they go hand in hand. This book presents the opportunity to begin that journey and find that freedom. It is a journey, and there is a pathway. That pathway goes through the land of deconstruction. So we start off in chapter one and two, and I share a little bit about myself and the weirdness of growing up as a multi-ethnic human being in a predominantly white city in a predominantly conservative province. And what does that mean when you're constantly checked to whether or not you belong? It's sort of a measure of whether or not you're safe. And when you grow up in predominantly white contexts, in my case, Canada, but it's the same in the U.S., measures of your belonging is really one of questioning whether or not you're safe. You're a safe person. Well, that ain't right. And that type of marginalization and trying to find what it looks like to get your dignity back is one that exists in the church as well. And there's a rising call for the church to embody some of the aspects of their foundation of radical inclusion. Yet what we realize and what's coming to light and what we've always known is that we can no longer ignore patriarchy, classism, abuse, LGBTQ members being ostracized and just outright racism. We're hearing more and more stories about the church's complicity in residential schools, the worst kept secret. That's not new but at least it's catching more attention now. It ain't right. None of these things are. And the reality and the truth we need to walk into as people on the margins is that we're not the problem. It's a system and a culture that's broken. Now, we need to be alerted or we need to develop awareness to what ain't right. Culturally, in the system, and also individually, when it comes to aspects of racism and white supremacy, it's culturally acceptable to say that racism is just that individual action. We reduce it down to the actions of one person, the dude who sprays a swastika on a synagogue. Well, that's racist. And again, culturally, we say that's abhorrent. But what we're not acknowledging and what we're having trouble with is all the cultural and all of the systemic, so the ingrained bias in the institutions, that's still at play today. Now, you probably didn't make that. And for white folks, you probably don't have a hand in shaping and forming policies and legislations and so forth. Yet you are the primary benefactor. So how can you, and of course, how can we all be alert to be aware of our surroundings and how we're shaped and formed to believe and act and how that has afforded privileges unto some over others. When we can identify those systems, then we can name them. And when we can name them, we can figure out what to avoid and what to dismantle. That comes into the church as well. 
there's a formation in Christianity in the West that is rooted in colonization, imperialism, and white supremacy. 500 years of formation since the Reformation, since slavery, since colonization, all of these different aspects play into our belief systems today. White Jesus is what we have formed, and we need to be able to name once again how we've been shaped to believe the things that we believe. That's tough when it comes to theology or even the songs that we sing on a Sunday morning. How much of that has been shaped into powers, from powers and systems rather? It can get scary, but once we can identify what ain't right, we can work towards deconstructing out of the bad roots. When we find the bad roots, we can figure out what needs replacing. Reaching out of dominant gazes and societal norms is hard and can leave you by the wayside. It can be a lonely place. If you're someone who is trying to deconstruct in a church context, you might wind up alone. But the important part is to try to figure out new pieces in formation. It's really easy to walk away from your faith when you have a crisis of belief. When you realize what's going on on the inside is evil. I think that there is a reimagined or a opportunity to reclaim Christianity. But reclaim Christianity as people on the margins. Which, if you look at the early church, that's a church on the margins. It's not a church that has power until they marry in with Constantine. That's a big deal because the church for 300 years operated as the critique to empire. But since year 320-something, it has operated within empire, reveling in a sense of power. Well, I switch gears into the second part of reclaiming our Christian identity. There's work to do spiritually, individually, for sure. But just like how racism is expressed individually, but culturally and in the institutions as well, we need to look at ways that we've been formed individually, but then we have to grab on to larger pieces in our formation. From white Jesus, we can move to brown Jesus and talk about stories that are rooted in the Christian faith that tell a story about human flourishing. So often, Christians and some theologies, they root themselves in a Bible that starts in Genesis 3 with the fall. Well, that skips over the first two that begin with your image-bearing goodness, that you are very good and you are designed to flourish in your own skin. What does it mean to reclaim that image-bearing humanity and beauty? When I speak of liberation and the pathway that this book is going to put forward, it's one with, I guess we can call it, uh, the difference between bounded and centered set. Some of you may have heard that. Bounded set being here are the rules, stay within the lines, and centered is, well, here's the idea, and how you reach or how you exist around the idea, that's going to be unique to you. When it comes to ideas like even sin, 
We have that individual and corporate problem, but we also have the story of how Jesus solves these things and solves sin. But we also need a story and a theological story that makes sense, that takes the domesticated Jesus that we have created, the character of, and brings forth the marginalized multi-ethnic savior who calls for justice and the existence of a community that is radically inclusive for the other as well as the love for one another. That's the space I want to build on. I got to get good. And for a lot of people on the margins, there's a story about identity, of reclaiming our identity both ethnically and also to deal with all the trauma that's associated with that. The call towards the tension of assimilation, as for me, it's as a new immigrant, I've had to assimilate to survive. All would have to, but does that mean giving up a piece of your identity? Does that mean losing a piece of yourself? Or can we develop greater resiliency, not to ignore systemic problems, but to confront our inherited traumas? And what would it, what would it mean for us to confront and work through that trauma unto wholeness? Can we find the stories of those who have made us, who have shaped us, and then springboard from them, acknowledging our own mistakes, but at the same time processing our marginalization in the context of perhaps professional help, trauma-informed counseling could be one of them, unto building new healthy identity. That's, I think, a pathway unto liberation and ultimate freedom. See, that word right there, freedom, that's so different than what a lot of Christianity offers, which is this confrontation with fear. We make many decisions based on fear. We embody control over bodies because of fear. We seek power and use fear. But that's a stark difference than what Jesus wants for you, and that's freedom. Can we build a faith around these concepts, around these realities? And the answer is, of course, we can. The reclamation of the Christian faith is not a reinventing of the wheel. Rather, it's a return back. So I offer some examples of how we can shape and form our theological thinking and practices, our formation that are lending to radical inclusion, that lend and walk into radical justice. And it also previews what that type of community can look like. So it's one thing for us to figure these things out as we read books, ironically. There's quite another to be alert of what type of communities might look like in pursuit of these things, because we don't want to travel alone. We need new markers and new ways of understanding and living to move forward. And best of all would be to find people who are on the same path. Well, apart from theological thinking, we need to have a new base a new base of thinking, and, and that's where the decolonizing part comes in. Aspects I'm still working through. I'm not an expert on this piece on decolonizing the Christian faith, but if you are 
walking into that experience as a white person, you're probably dismantling white supremacy more than decolonizing. You are the colonizer or have inherited that. To others, the process of decolonizing needs a call back to something. We're not deconstructing out of Christianity. Rather, we're trying to reclaim a more beautiful way. I appeal to indigenous spirituality and land-based teaching. The land doesn't forget. We can pull stories and understandings from indigenous ways of being. We can also find insights of churches that have been built on resistance. The existence of the institutional black church in America, for example, This is an example of a church that has existed because black folks did not experience full belonging in white churches and then created a space of belonging, of flourishment. Are there stories and learnings from these communities? I present some ideas and some pathways for us to walk into and reimagine new ideas or at least entertain new ways of thinking. Can you do that? Can you entertain ideas that are not your own? But if we can draw near the stories of those who are crying out and calling for better, it's quite possible that we can figure out what it means to embody that better. I offer some ideas towards the end of how we can identify healthy community, not to say perfect, I mean, it's always a risk to put yourself back out there, especially if you're coming out of unhealthy church communities to say, I'm going to try again. It's always a risk to put yourself back out there because it might backfire. There are markers, however, of healthy church communities. I present a couple of them, and I'm sure you have stories of your own. All throughout the new formation pieces, I root stories of my own and my own experience leading multi-ethnic churches, but also from the stories of the Bible, of the early church and the calling of the Acts church. Ordinary people living out their full humanity. Now, I think that there amounts to an extraordinary embodiment of God's unfolding kingdom in our world. That's that radical difference. We're living it out. The question is, do you have people that you can live it out with? I think that we all long to be in community where we're seen in full. To get there requires exposing our vulnerabilities, and that's, that's got to be one of the riskiest things you can do, especially as someone on the margins, someone who's not part of the dominant culture. But here's the paradox. Our liberation is reliant on belonging. We need to be seen in community for the gifts and abilities and the traits that we bring in our own skin. So in this sense... The pursuit of wholeness or freedom or that fullness of life, it needs belonging to happen. COVID taught us that. COVID taught us that we're not very good by ourselves. Unfortunately, for many of us, the opportunities and the communities that embody this challenge, they're few and far between. But I want to present the option that, A, it's not like they don't exist. They are out there. You are not alone. Now, you can create new ones and maybe start something. That's what I've done. But there's high possibility you can find new people who are in the pursuit of the same things. 
Zoom Church has given us the opportunity to figure out that, oh, hey, although it's not perfect, I can find and even worship with people who are like me, who believe the same things, who act and think, but at the same time, with people who are not quite like me too. We're not trying to build a whole new case of a monolith Christianity. What we're trying to do is figure out what it means to be holistic in community, but also create safe and thriving spaces. And it's in that space where liberation and freedom are found. Why bother to reimagine your faith? Why bother reimagining what it means to belong or chasing that opportunity in community? Why dig into personal identity? Why even name systems of oppression? Why face past trauma? Well, because all that's not right. The marginalization, the racism, the sin, our own sin, yet the yearning for true belonging, that meshes with what God has in store for you. It's ultimate freedom, freedom from the loss, the trauma, the despair, the hurt, the anger, the loneliness, the marginalization, and the injustice, so on, so on. It's easier to walk away from past hurts and skepticism, including faith, but freedom doesn't mean living life alone. Freedom is tied to belonging and a collective liberation. So when we can belong in our own skin and know that we're being seen in full for our gifts, that they matter to the body of believers, we start to live out that fullness, that picture of our image-bearing humanity. We can do that. When we embody the character of Jesus and the attributes of, say, radical hospitality, pursuing justice, and the love, the love for one another and the other, we become that better hope we long for. It's that same type of longing that Jesus has for you. It's that space where no one else will go. It's an invitation into a love that knows no bounds. One that goes to the very end where no one else will go. And then, one step more. When we belong, reclaiming Christianity on the margins, coming spring, summer 2022, from Herald Press, that was just a little preview of what is to come. I hope you're excited about it. Sign up for the newsletter. That's where you're going to get all the details of how you can get your hands on that book. Thank you for downloading this podcast and listening all the way through. I have some great guests coming up this season. They include the Decolonized Christian. There's an Instagram handle. Many of you know the messages, know the person, however, behind the account. Probably not, but you know the account. I'll have him on. Terrence Lester, a new book that just came out. Going to talk about public health policy and uh, his two books. We're going to talk about his two books as well. I invite Megan Floor Bixler on to talk about her two books as well. Uh, we actually spoke on her release day for her most recent book from Harold Press, ironically, How to Have an Enemy. Chandra Crane comes on the show to talk about multi-ethnic identity. That's a two-part gift with Chandra Crane. Mixed Blessings is her book. 
I also invite Starlet Thomas onto the show, and she provides us with unique ideas and perspectives around the raceless gospel. She will close out the season. And that's it. A little quick season, a couple of guests to tide you over until the fall. I appreciate you downloading this. Please like it or review it wherever you pick up your podcasts. Get into the newsletter. Find me on social media. Let me know what you're thinking. You can support this podcast up in the top right-hand corner of rohatty.com. Just click on support and you can figure out ways. There are more options there if you're Canadian. Otherwise, thanks so much. Be safe where you're at in the context of this continued pandemic world. Wear your mask and get your vaccine. John Carbon on the intro and outro again for the whole season. Go find him on Bandcamp. <laughs>